You're wired in. Smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of Smallcapvoice.com. Today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, Smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for making us part of your day as well as part of your due diligence as you look for smart and fresh plays out there in the market today. And on the online business briefing brought to you by smallcapvoice.com today, we are shining a spotlight on Humble Incorporated. The company's traded under the ticker symbol HMBL. And we are lucky enough to be joined by Brian Foote. He's the CEO of Humble. Brian, how are you doing today? Stuart, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Brian. And it has been a crazy couple of weeks. You know, here at smallcapvoice.com, we have been engaging with your shareholders for a couple of weeks now. You have a very active, very large shareholder base. So a ton of communications within the first 48 hours, I believe somewhere to the tune of about 400 messages responded to. And so we quickly kind of came up with, hey, we need to do a sort of town hall where we start to aggregate the questions. We eliminate some of the redundant ones. And I do want to say to the shareholders, hey, thank you so much for your patience with us at smallcapvoice.com, your persistence in sending in your questions. Today is the first of a series of these interviews. Some will be audio, some will be video, some will be a transcript of the Q&A as well. Uh, but Brian, uh, thanks to you, especially for taking the time to speak with us today and addressing some of the questions that we've received at Small Cap Voice. Thanks, Stuart. We appreciate it. Always good to communicate with you guys and the shareholders and so on. So we're looking forward to diving in. So Brian, as I've pointed out, it's been pretty intense getting involved with the community for the first time. Humble definitely has a strong and highly involved shareholder base, as I pointed out. That's almost two full stadiums full of people when you think about 165,000 shareholders. Uh, you know, the reason for bringing on Small Cap Voice, I think our goals were aligned. Yours and mine was to communicate more frequently with the shareholders. So let's just jump into this Q&A right now. Uh, and let me ask this first question. What is the best place to to get information on the company from humble management other than the press releases and filings you've created a big network and i think sometimes people can get lost in that absolutely so i think you know people don't necessarily know that we have a verified social media platform as well there's so much airtime taken up by twitter now x and linkedin and, and instagram and so on that we've done something decidedly different with setting up a verified platform so all the people you interact with at Humble.com or the Humble Wallet are fully verified. And what's important about that is we're building out what we call a trust architecture on Web3, where you have a higher quality version of the web. When you know you're transacting with someone that's a real person or a real seller or a real brand or a real government, there's trust there that enables you to do faster, cheaper, more convenient transactions or communications on the web. So much of what you guys do, small cap voice, and that you see on the web now is that Web2 empowers a lot of anonymous accounts, a lot of burner accounts. And that's problematic both for corporate messaging, but also for transactions. And so as we start to move north globally from Web2 to Web3, a big point, and you saw Elon tweet about this a couple of months ago, that he thought the only social media platforms that would survive are the ones with verified profiles. We're very proud to have taken one of the first swings globally at proposing that to the marketplace. So if people ever want to get verified information on Humble, 
go to humble.com or download the humble wallet on app stores, set up your verified profile and come into humble social. So humble social is all verified profiles, including my own. Uh, I think I have over 6,000 posts, replies, likes, uh, engagements since January alone. So we have this really unique tool of being able to interact on a weekly basis with shareholders. We're effectively doing Q and A's or AMAs every week when we get in there and talk about what we're working on and communicate from verified profiles. So I would really ask our shareholder base to get their information from verified sources, whether it's PRs, corporate filings, or our verified profiles on Humble Social. Get in there, experience our product lines, see what we're doing in there, and get real-time information from me and other leaders of the company about what we're doing. I'm always in there posting about exactly what we're focused on, and it's something where I think you can have a much higher quality interaction with the management of the company, and that that's very unique on the public markets, and it's something we're very proud of at Humble. Well, and I appreciate that, and I also have spoken with, over the phone, so old technology, several people who called me directly, and that still works, and you can still call me, uh, and I'm, I'm here to answer your phone calls. So for those who haven't been going on to Humble Social, can you give us the current focus for the company? So right now, we're really focused on the digital wallet, right? That's going to be your gateway to Web3. And so as digital wallets come online like Humble, as well as our white label applications of the wallet, you're going to be getting this digital identity and your digital identity will be verified. And from that, you'll see a cascading series of what are called verifiable credentials. And what those allow you to do, whether it's a sports ticket or a permit from government, anything that you can issue or revoke or need to prove to gain access or entitlements to what you need to do in your day, that will all stem from your digital identity and the digital wallet. And so that's what we're working on at Humble. We're laser focused on the digital wallet on the consumer side. So something that you can just pick up and use as a verified user on the consumer side through the app store. And then what we discovered as we were building the digital wallet is that there's great white label applications. So powered by Humble for the wallet. The first segments of that that we're focused on just because you can't do it all at once is we've kept a really tight focus, very manageable focus on the private sector. So we signed uh, an important five-year revenue bearing deal with the AFL to do their mobile wallet and some, some ancillary functions that wallets are good for, like ticketing and authenticated merchandise on a registry. And then secondly, the public sector of Santa Cruz. So Humble is the first government approved digital wallet for a county in California. So we will be working with Santa Cruz. We are working with Santa Cruz to ship out a Powered by Humble mobile wallet that will enable you for the first time in California to do much more digital binary transactions with a county in areas uh, such as permitting, renewals, simple use cases where um, right now on Web2, you'd have to go through a silo of, of Web2 websites, usernames, passwords that is not as efficient as a Web3 environment where you have a digital wallet that has your identity, your verifiable credentials, and your payment methods on top of a search engine and a registry that can quickly get you to exactly what you need to find and then to perform a transaction on top of that Web3 environment. So for me, it's the North Star vision of what what we built this thing for was to get people quickly to what they want to do uh, and then to be able to transact on a new web 
that's faster, more convenient, more secure, and gives users more control of what they're doing. So our laser focus is on the digital wallet for the consumer side, and then these very simple commercial applications of sports and government that we intend to roll out as modules to other private sector clients and to other public sector clients, such as cities and counties and so on, uh, over time once that module is built. Well, perfect. That segues nicely into the next question. And we had several different questions and a few iterations of the same question. So again, investors, shareholders, listeners that provided us your input and your questions, please understand we can only get so many of them in in this first call. But as I mentioned, we'll be doing more of these. So let's talk about some updates regarding, as you just mentioned, the the cities and governments and sports and government segments. Let's talk about the AFL and Santa Cruz across that sports and government segments. Can we get an update there? Yeah, so the AFL was a five-year revenue-bearing contract that we signed, so we're very proud of that. You know, we're under a lot of pressure to not only ship high-quality products that I think are setting the tone for what can be done in, in Web3 on white-label products for, for private sector and public sector, but also to drive revenues, right? So it's, it's hard because you want to ship out high-quality products and get to the revenue, and it's very hard to do that all in one one swoop. So the AFL was a nice win for us because we're not only getting to ship some new technologies for the company inside ticketing and merchandise and so on, but we're also getting to drive revenues on each ticket sale uh, with the AFL. So we started rolling out um, new teams a couple of weeks ago, making those announcements on AFL2024.com, powered by Humble. So it's really exciting to be on the front end of a league that has proven itself over the, the previous decades through, through iterations of itself. We like this management team a bunch. We appreciate them working with smaller early stage company like Humble versus the behemoth and ticketing. So that's cool. And we appreciate them giving us a bite at the apple to to deliver their technology platform with them. And I think that the exciting thing on, of being on the front end of a league with a revenue bearing contract is that you can set the tone for what innovation should look like uh, in the future for sports and technology as it pertains to digital wallets, dot coms and, and verified transactions and merchandise on top of that stack. So it's a very important win for us. We appreciate the management team working with us and we look forward to over delivering for them in the coming years. Well, can you give us a little bit more information about the potential revenues on the AFL deal? Sure. And and I invite people to look at our public filings as well, just so they can get, you know, the details. But essentially we're going to get paid on every ticket that gets sold for the AFL as the contract currently stands. So we have some escalators on those ticket prices over the coming years. We also, you know, had to contemplate that certain arenas will have different providers, Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, et cetera. So we bring down the price point of revenue share when it's a referral out to a different ticketing provider. But our goal is to try to come into some of these smaller arenas and see if Humble can't provide the entire ticketing stack end to end for these AFL games. So we're in those conversations now. And always your goal as a company is to, to go owned and operated on the vertical integration piece in terms of the ticketing. So we'll be working on that as well, but we've contemplated both revenue share on stuff where Humble is the core ticketing provider for the arena. And then also what that looks like when we have to refer out to uh, controlled arenas for Ticketmaster, SeatGeek, others. So it's a nice contract for us. We hope to do to do more of them as we scale up as a business 
But for right now, it's an extreme focus for us to get this right. And certainly the network of the AFL management team is wonderful as well. And I know they'll help us on our, on our way uh, as we deliver for them. They will open doors for us as well in, in entertainment and government. Well, I'm going to read this next question verbatim so that it has the context it was intended to have. Humble has been left out in the past. What are the contingencies if the AFL were to cancel? Yeah, so that's right. I mean, our company stance has been to take the high road on a couple of things where we were left at at the altar um, (laughs) in sport and entertainment. You always have to weigh, should we hit hard here with with litigation? Should we hit hard here with flaming people out that maybe signed up to do something with us and then didn't come through? If you look at the track record of Humble, like let's give an example of Balanji Group, for example, to Brian Hayes, Trevor Etienne, um, some of the MMA referrals and UFC guys. When the client comes forward and fulfills their deliverables or the partner fulfills their deliverables, which the team at Balanji Group, for example, has done wonderfully, it results in a great partnership and great results in the marketplace. So we've just sort of taken the stance where in the past, as we were growing this business, if people left left us high and dry in sport and entertainment on some things, we just took the high road and bit the bullet and kept moving. And I think it does allow you to keep doors open for future sales, right? If I flame out someone in sports entertainment that stood us up, Maybe I don't land the AFL because they're friends with those guys or it, it gets down the line that it's going to be too too high profile or messy if you get involved with the company. So we've decided to take the high road on a couple of things in our past where we got left at the altar by folks. But I think that's panned out for us with bigger and better deals uh, that have come forward like the AFL. So, you know, that's been our corporate stance on this thing. And if you look at some of the contractual language that we have with our partners now, there are definitely some strong protections that are provided to Humble economically if people if people stand us up. So we're once bitten, twice shy on a couple of things where I've just decided to bite the bullet for folks that have stood us up. That's not necessarily fair to me or the company, but you also want to be a provider that there's lower risk to do business with. So um, we've decided to take the high road on a couple of those things. And I think it's starting to pay off for us now on fewer, bigger, and better clients that we build protections in with when we do contracts. All right. Thank you for that. Now I mentioned Santa Cruz a moment ago. So moving to the government sector, how are things progressing with Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz is going great. That's a really well-run county. They assigned us a project manager and a tight technical team inside the organization, the county. So that's been going really well. We're in version three right now of a beta application that's going back and forth between a very tight team on their side and a very tight team on our side. Never easy in the private sector, as we just discussed, or the public sector to be the first of, right? You're taking, you're taking some enterprise risks by doing things first, by adopting innovation and putting your neck out there. And so we really appreciate what they've done, giving us the opportunity to show the path forward in California and nationally for digital wallets and blockchain registries that can more quickly validate information for citizens and government, creating a front door for government that's fast and efficient and inclusive for everybody. So it's just a tremendous joy and and source of pride for us to be working on that. So the program is progressing well. We'll try to broaden out the amount of users in that tight beta here over the next few weeks. So that program is going 
as expected, if not better than expected. We have a couple of very tightly managed use cases that we're trying out there around permitting and so on. So I look forward to to rolling that program out with them here and also to hopefully expanding that module to many other counties that can benefit from more efficient technologies in the front door uh, for their citizens to do things quickly and and in a more secure uh, fashion that will result in reduced costs, fewer carbon emissions on the road, loss of wages and time to go to offices and lines and processing and and better systems that we can all build on uh, in the future. So that is definitely part of the vision that we have for Humble. It's why we're doing what we do. And I look forward to to rolling that out with with Santa Cruz and then hopefully scaling that um, across our country and others for those that would have us on the municipal level. All right. Well, speaking of rolling it out, let's talk about Humble.com. What is the status of Humble Pro? Yeah. So again, that's the consumer side. So I want to be really clear. We're focused very deeply on three things, right? You have the consumer side for the digital wallet and .com. You have the private sector for client hero clients like the AFL. And then you have the public sector for Santa Cruz. So I want to be clear that this is a consumer division question for Humble Pro. Humble Pro is coming along really well. We've had some state of Humble Pro in MVP for some time now, but we are really feeling confident that that's going to roll out by the end of the end of the quarter here. We will let you know if there's any delay on that. It's why we're doing these Q&As more now with you and getting that started. Uh, we feel good that that's going to roll out by the end of Q3. One of the most important and exciting things about Humble Pro as I mentioned earlier in the call, is that Web3 is intended to not only provide you with your your digital identity and your verified person on Web3, but it's also intended to give you a little bit more control. You know, I suffer from this, everybody suffers from this, where if, if you're someone who is trying to run a business, manage a business, uh, manage a personal brand, it's still so interesting to me that 20 years later, Google is prescribing for you how you come up on the web. And so our goal with Humble Pro is to provide people with the ability to control more of how they are presented on the World Wide Web to other people. Um, Google's done a pretty good job. Google, Bing have done a pretty good job of SEO, SEM, where you know people can buy keywords or ad units for their business. But really, as a person, you are you are at the whimsy of big tech for how you are presented in search. I think it's a big gap in global technology. And so what we're looking forward to, among other things inside Pro, is giving the ability for people to control how they are presented in search around the world uh, in a way that is constructive for them, gives them some control of their person, allows them to get out factual information about themselves or their efforts around business or sport or entertainment, as well as to monetize their brand as creators or athletes or any manner of professions that people are in um, where they need to do this. I think LinkedIn was a great early iteration of a professional networking site and that there's lots of opportunity for search engine themselves to get much more customizable on Web3 for people. So moving forward, let's now talk about a a public company has different things that you have to look at, right? You've talked about the business and you've had some solid progress that you've outlined for us here. 
But as a public company, you faced some challenges recently in terms of dilution. So let's talk about that. I know it can be a tough subject for not only you, the company, but of course, the investors as well. And as I always like to say, I'm a shareholder too. So mm-hmm. um, the dilution has been frustrating. We had a crypto crash in 2022 where they're finally starting to to clear out some of the bad actors in crypto, right? Big difference between crypto and blockchain as a technology. Uh, I think it's nice to see the market is starting to sharply delineate offshore sort of whiz-bang crypto trading from blockchain as a technology, which is critical for us to drive innovation in our country. Then you have the banking collapse of 2023. So some real-time impact there where you get phone calls in from people you've been working on for funding for a while and they go, you know, Brian, I'm sorry, but I don't even know how much of my um, investment portfolio companies are inside some of these banks that that are collapsing. So very tough conditions on the U.S. What resulted of that over the last six to 12 months is you had a ton of bankruptcies in financial technology and Web3 and blockchain. And so we were just forced to take some um, less than stellar sources of financing that have now hit the market in the form of dilution because you got to pay those guys back when they come through. So it's it's been hard, um, but we're certainly working through a lot of that. And we're starting to work with, I think, much more thoughtful capital partners that are thinking more strategically on behalf of the company rather than, you know, hey, I'll lend you some money and hit the market in six months. And, 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 and it's not really better for it other than that you kept the lights on. Well, you mentioned better partners. So what is your plan going forward to try to avoid these dependencies as a whole? Yeah, so we've been really fortunate to bump into um, some strategic partners like Pacific Lion, with whom we've been meeting intensively each week and often on a daily basis to make sure that um, we are planning long-term strategies for capitalizing the company in less toxic ways, um, as well as exploring other alternative ways of um, hopefully getting out of the OTC markets at some point, um, either through an M&A or an uplisting. Um, obviously, lots of road to go on accomplishing that. There's no guarantee that that could be accomplished whatsoever. Um, but it's certainly something we think about and are working towards um, strategically as a goal. Um, so, you know, these are very different and you can kind of feel it in your gut when you're meeting with different funding partners. Like, do they do this professionally where they're turn and burn guys? where it's going to, you know, hit your stock in the form of dilution and you just have to sort of take on the financing because you need to keep the lights on? Um, Or are you working with capital partners that are thinking thoughtfully about your next steps as a business and how everybody can do well on behalf of themselves, the shareholders, et cetera, to get to the next stages of what we're doing? So um, there's a little bit of um, a bipolar environment inside Humble in the sense that you know, we're doing really great stuff as a company, um, especially given how early stage we are and that we're helping build what I think are future systems for Web3 that we will all um, rely on uh, going forward as a, as a technology stack and a structure that can point the way for ourselves and, and, and other companies to, to build on new tech. So it's one of these things where, you know, you want to be meeting with capital partners that, you know, are interested in a profit motive in the future but are thinking a little bit further out than just six months and and sort of the turn and burn financing. So we're thankful for Pacific Lion. Um, We like Jacob Fernand, what he's bringing to the table strategically. So those are the the meetings we're 
we're finding time for to to go ahead and plan what this looks like over a six, 12, 18 month period to get where we want to go. Well, you mentioned Web3 and there were some questions around technology partners that were privately held. Can you talk about that? I, I know with uh, BRU, uh, people were concerned that they couldn't find, you know, the details and home addresses of <laughs> all of our technology consultants. And um, that's one of the best things that we're working on in Web3 is as you get these digital wallets and these um, digital identities, you're going to be able to selectively disclose the information you want out there about yourself. You know, in the case of Humble, we have a corporate stalker too. We've got people tortiously interfering with our business all the time. Um, and so when we work with partners, some of whom, you know, we mentioned earlier in the call have, have been chased off because they either get attacked by um, some of these people that try to interfere with our business or um, to torch our outcomes as a business. Um, you know, you're going to see in the blockchain era people who have finally the right to do private, semi-private or public um, disclosures on who they are and what they're doing. And I think, you know, the important part about service providers is um, do they provide the service you want? Are they getting the job done? Um, and so on. So um, it's it's both a good point to point out that, you know, in this Web3 era, people will have much more control over their privacy. Um, but also as a company, um, we are, you know, kind of pinned down on um, some of the tortious interference and stalking that's coming our way, um, where people we work with may may look at it and go, guys, I'm happy to work with you, but I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to be out there front and center to get harassed by a couple of these anonymous burner accounts that are just way too wild and are impeding the business's efforts. So um, it's an interesting time we live in, but I'm just happy that what we're building is part of the solution for the coming decades on selective disclosure and so on. And so our responsibility as a business to the shareholders is to show you guys what we signed up for economically um, and what we're doing. Um, but I would expect it's going to be the trend rather than the exception that people will want to have more control over their privacy in the Web3 area rather than less. Um, another great example of that, you know, is that when people go out and about in the world, um, so, you know, um, someone wants to show their identity at a bar, right? They're at a college bar. She wants to show her identity to get into the bar that she's over 21. Um, there's not really a reason that person should be showing their home address. Um, you know, you look at some of the terrible things that happened in, uh, in Idaho, et cetera. Um, you know, that's not something that, that a person should have to disclose in full just to prove that they're over 21 to go have a drink at a bar. So um, many of the things we're working on in digital wallets are the solution for selective disclosure um, that I think are exciting and that drive us to do that as, um, you know, as companies now in the internet era so often have to deal with harassment and burner accounts and bad actors that operate under anonymous profiles. There's no reason that those people should you know, know where you live and all that kind of thing. So um, we, we offer no apologies to people for that. And I'm in fact excited that we're building some of the solutions to helping people preserve their privacy about where they live and do business. 
Well, we've seen this before with other companies and there's anonymous postings on social media about you and other founders. And by founders, I would assume we're talking about people that are deemed insiders. In other words, they hold more than 5% selling shares. So I'm glad that you are answering this question. So in regards to people talking about you and the founders selling shares, what say you? Yep. I, as I say on other calls, I take a $1 salary. I've never sold a share of the company. I have not turned an expense account in months. Um, and the other founders have never sold a share either. So it's getting a little old reading that on the web. It's totally fake information. Um, and it's tiring, right? As a founder, you, you perform a maximum bet of putting all your money and all your efforts into starting a business, building a brand, trying to help build the future in technology and and taking lumps for it so it's just you know it's it, that narrative's getting pretty old um we've said time and again that we, we haven't sold a share of the company a lot of people around us either service providers or people in the ecosystem have made plenty of money off this the founders have made nothing so it's it's really kind of an old narrative at this point and i'm glad to just you know talk to you guys again and put it out there we're we're happy to put it out there. And of course, anybody who, you know, knows the markets knows that, you know, auditors and form mm -hmm. four and 10 B five one plans and so on would all be out there if we were selling. It's just been a really frustrating exercise and in fake information on the web. And we appreciate what you guys are doing to help get the facts out there. It's, it's appreciated. Well, and I can appreciate how it must feel to come under unbased attacks as well. So let's leave this now with some broad strokes for the company until next time. So any closing thoughts or comments to leave with your shareholders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for us, we're focused on the digital wallet, as I mentioned, and I'm sorry to uh, be repetitive, but often, you know, our narrative gets spliced and diced by bad actors and anonymous accounts on the web. So I want to just reiterate and be clear, you can always find us uh, at Humble Social. So if you download the Humble Wallet um, and get verified on Humble Social, as long as you're not a bad actor or have some kind of flags in your background, you'll get verified and get on to Humble. Um, and there you can find accurate, up-to-date information uh, about the company using our own technology. So it's pretty cool uh, to be able to do that. So please do find us on Humble Social. We update it often there. Um, we'll be doing more of these Q and A's where, um, you know, we can show you where the filings are and where the public information is so you can get clear factual information, um, rather than the chat boards. Um, and again, you know, just rounding it out, uh, the, the focus here is the digital wallet, uh, on the consumer side. And then with white label applications on the private sector for revenue bearing contracts like the AFL and the public sector, like Santa Cruz, where we're building the first county approved digital wallet in California. Um, there are thousands of other municipalities that we can scale out to with that module as potential sales clients across cities and counties, townships, villages, et cetera, uh, or states and national governments if we can scale up. Uh, to that level as well. So um, the key focus remains the digital wallet and the white label applications that can come from that on a revenue bearing basis, which for us is the gateway to digital identity, verifiable credentials, and more control, security, and effective cost reduction of transactions for people as they start moving uh, north from web to usernames, passwords, shopping carts, emails into a much more intelligent web three, where you have a digital wallet with digital identity, um, verified search, 
uh, and the ability to quickly transact on top of Web3 um, with transactions that sit on top of a registry um, that give you a much more efficient way to um, transact and record uh, what you're doing on the web, either with other people or with corporations and government. So um, we're, we're thrilled at what we're getting to build um, for the coming decades. And, and it's just a matter of navigating these near and midterm pieces of financing and share structure and dilution and so on that we know we need to address head on uh, and to account for on behalf of the shareholders and on behalf of the health of the company. Uh, so we're constantly looking at these things and um, look forward to doing more updates uh, in these kinds of formats with you. Um, we also anticipate having some more features coming online soon on the dot-com side from the community perspective that will allow us to do more uh, more engagements around video and um, chatting with shareholders and things like that. So um, the digital wallet is the focus with some more dot-com features coming online as well. Um, and then looking at revenue bearing contracts for private sector and public sector. Very good. Great summation. I appreciate your time today. Let's do this again soon, Brian. And for the shareholders and listeners, go ahead and keep hitting us on all the social channels. You can send it to email. We've got smith at smallcapvoice.com, which is at the bottom of a press release recently. Uh, you can also use our online form, which a bunch of you have found as well at smallcapvoice.com and in all the places that Brian has created in this universe for Humble. Brian, once again, thank you. I know I kept you for over a half an hour and you answered every question we had for you. So I look forward to doing this again with you in the near future. Likewise. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate it. All right. For Brian Foote, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at Smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com. This is a broadcast of smallcapvoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. Smallcapvoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of smallcapvoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. 
Such information is subject to change without notice.